All right. Welcome back to Lindros Hockey Podcast. We are a partnership with Black and Gold Hockey Productions, LLC, with Mark Albert Jr. You're here today with co-host father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindroth. Dad, how are you doing today? Doing great, Andrew. We're recording this on the weekend, so that means uh, we're not in our studio, which means anything could happen. So we're hoping not to have any glitches today. Why don't you go ahead and, and introduce us with our next guest? Yes, yeah, so today we're very excited to have on our show today. Taylor Richard. So Taylor began playing competitive hockey as a teenager, first suiting up for his local high school, Blaine High School in Minnesota, and then later appeared in the NAHL and the USHL from 2010 to 2012, before eventually committing to Miami University of Ohio. He started as one of the top defensemen throughout his four-year tenure, and after graduating, went on to sign his first pro contract in the East Coast Hockey League with the Utah Grizzlies. Taylor later found his home with Utah and suited up for the team from 2016 until 2020. He was also named team captain during his tenure and while making a brief uh, stint as well in the American Hockey League with the San Antonio Rampage. Taylor officially retired from pro hockey in 2020 and is now here with us today to discuss his pro hockey journey and what he is up to now. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Taylor Richard. Taylor, how are you doing today, man? Doing well. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, happy to jump on. Yeah, this is going to be great. And usually we don't get players that um, retire um, uh, retire early and come on. Usually it's uh, they wait a few years, so we'd like to welcome to you. But, Taylor, I'd like to take you back to the beginning. Your teenage years, you played in the NAHL and the USHL. I want to talk about those two leagues because those two North American leagues are now building a great reputation of turning out future NHLers and pro hockey players in general. What was your experiences like uh, and what was the major differences between those two leagues? Yeah, it was, uh, like you said, the first year in the NHL was in Aberdeen, uh, South Dakota. And that was actually the first year they were a team in the NHL. So it's kind of newer to them. Uh, obviously new to me my first year after high school um, but it was it was a great city to, to put an NHL team in such a great fan base um, not a big hockey town but they they loved the game and it was a sellout crowd every night so it was it was an awesome city and obviously uh, you have a billet family and I, I enjoyed being with my billet family I still talk with them here and there I go visit them once in a while in the summer um, so it was awesome there um, and then like you said Fargo the next year it, it was, I mean, honor to play in the USHL. My my uncle actually lives in Fargo, and I got to live with him. He was my billet parent there, so that made it even more special. Um, in terms of the difference, I guess, um, from when I was playing um, back in the NA in, in 2010, 2011, and then up to the USHL in 11, 12, I would say just, I guess, the the top couple lines, I would say, are, are more, more skilled, uh, have that, I don't know, almost – a couple of superstars almost on each team for sure where the NA you do have those, but it's, it's not as, it's not a bit in depth. And I feel like the NHL is a little bit more of a grind, um, more, more battling. And you have those third, fourth line for sure. Staple grinders, uh, where in the USHL, even like your third and fourth line guys still have all that tremendous level of skill. Yeah. And so Taylor, before I ask, uh, uh going on to your co collegiate career, just for our listeners that, uh, are not familiar with the USHL or the NAHL, for example, how would you compare it to, let's say, junior, the junior leagues like the OHL, WHL, and those leagues? 
Yeah, I'd say the USHL is, is pretty similar to the OHL. And, and from my experience, obviously, I didn't play in the O. Um, but, I mean, a lot of United guys from the United States like to play in the USHL because, I mean, a, a typical college, you get to go to college, and that's usually the United States route for kids. They want to play collegiate hockey. That's a, a lot of kids' dreams growing up. That was my dream. I always wanted to play Division One hockey. Uh, but I would say the skill level for sure is compared to the the USHL and the OHL is pretty similar. And then I would say like the NA is pretty similar to the dub. So now moving on to your uh, uh, collegiate career, I, I am curious. So two part question, Taylor, did you ever consider going the junior route um, and have to choose between that or collegiate? And the second part is, what made you end up deciding to go to Miami University of Ohio? I'm sure that you had a lot of other offers from schools as well. Yeah, I guess, well, junior route for sure. I, I know I had to go. Um, I was a extremely late bloomer. Um, I think my senior in high school was maybe five, six, 140 pounds. Um, so I, I know I, I knew I needed to go play juniors to just mature and uh, just get bigger, stronger, uh, develop more. I mean, that's usually a, the typical route nowadays. Colleges like uh, guys who go play juniors just to get that more experience, um, have a little bit older, be more mature. So that was the biggest thing for me. I, I know I needed to, to get bigger. And after high school, I actually wasn't talking to any colleges. I wasn't talking to anyone. I just actually went to a, a pre-draft camp tryout for the Aberdeen Wings. And I was luckily enough to get tendered at that. I, I, had, I hadn't talked to anyone my whole senior year. I didn't. I actually applied to some colleges just to go to school and try to walk on. I wasn't really talking to anyone. So I just wanted a chance. And luckily enough, Aberdeen gave that to me. Um, and then to the next question, Miami, Ohio. Yeah, I was, I was in my second year of juniors. I was actually planning on going back to Fargo again for my last year uh, of eligibility for juniors. And at our main camp, uh, there was obviously college scouts there to go just to, to watch and kind of, look at kids, look at prospects and Miami, Ohio coach, uh, Brent Brecky, he's now the St. Lawrence coach. Uh, he kind of pulled me aside and asked me what my plans were. They just had a defenseman that left. And uh, I was like, well, I'm actually being from Minnesota, Miami wasn't really a, a known school here. Uh, so I was like, well, yeah, I'd, I'd love to come check it out. So I actually went on a visit uh, the, that following week, went out there and I absolutely fell in love with the campus, the school, the the culture, the guys were already out there working out in the summer. So I got to meet some of them and it, it was just a great place. And um, I mean, yeah, I had some other offers that were closer to home too, but I, I just fell in love with the campus and the the culture that they had there. Taylor, who is your favorite uh, uh, defensive partner at uh, Miami? Oh, um, that's that's tough. Um, I guess the guys that I played with actually played with, it was either my freshman year, I played a lot with Joe Hartman. He's a fellow Minnesota guy. Another guy was Scott Dornbrock. I played with those two uh, probably the most. I would have to go with Joe Hartman. He was a, when I was a freshman, he was a senior. He kind of just showed me the ropes. Um, just a, a great, a great guy, great person. Um, steady, steady game too. Nothing flashy. He just got the job done and love to block shots and I, I love to block shots. So it was, uh, it was great playing with him, especially just being a Minnesota guy as well. And can always just relate um, back to home. 
Yeah, and Taylor, so uh, talk to us a, a bit about, you know, the, the hockey program there and what it did um, for you to grow as a player. Because just as a, as a quick example, I'm trying to get us here. I noticed that later on in, in your pro career, you really turned on uh, to be an offensive defenseman, which we'll get to later. But did you learn how to become more of an offensive defenseman or, or learn to fit in that role early on? What were some of the things that you uh, uh, grew and learned that you were able to take to the pro leagues from Minnesota, uh, from Miami? Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, obviously, if you look at my, my college stats, I didn't have a, a lot of a lot of points. Uh, we had a lot of high end guys that were more on the offensive side of things and had tremendous skill. Matt Cato, um, Louis Belpedio, for example, those guys had a ton of skill. So um, I. I my thing was just work on they, what, whatever the coach wanted me to do, I, I was going to do it, you know? Um, and they wanted me to focus on the defensive side of things. Um, good PK guy, uh, get that first pass, get out of the zone exit. And that's really what I focused on. Um, I mean, but then we also had s- developmental sessions, uh, skill sessions before every practice and Brent Brecky was huge on that. Um, so, I mean, during the games, obviously I'm doing whatever it takes to win the defensive side of things, but at the same time, they, they want you to develop and be an all around player. And uh, so it, it wasn't like I wasn't working on the offensive side of things. Obviously the numbers don't uh, really do justice when I'm in college, uh, but like they, they want you to improve in every facet of your game, obviously defensively, offensively, they just want you to be an all around player. But um, so I was working on that there. And then obviously at home in the summer, I was really working on the skill side of things too. Um, I'm from Blaine and there's a, a big facility, the super rank map hockey's up there. So I, w- I would be up there every day, just working on my skills, um, working, working out, just making sure I was always improving. Yeah. And so uh, I believe it was what the following year, your junior year, I believe if, if the timeline serves correctly, um, you guys actually have end up having uh, arguably you guys best season yet, because you went on to win the uh, NCHC, that NCAA championship. Bring us through that wild ride that season. And I'm very curious, too. I, personally, I don't watch too much um, collegiate hockey, but I imagine the playoffs and, and those important games and championships, those are, I'm sure, very similar um, to the playoffs in, in pro hockey. But take us through uh, that that championship series. Yeah, that was – yeah, arguably my junior was one of our best teams. We had guys like – Blake Coleman, uh, Calgary right now, Sean Corral, he's in Columbus, uh, Austin Zarnick, Riley Barber. We had, we had a, a great team. Um, and I think we just, we all wanted it. You know, we were in that, I guess we just had that mentality because the year before we, we lost in the finals and CHC finals. And that next year we we're like, we're not letting that happen again. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a battle to get there. Um, had to play Denver, on the semis and that was just a, a grind. I think it was like five, three, five, four game back and forth. Uh, that's when they had like Danton Heinen, uh, Trevor Moore, they're, they're a very good team. And luckily enough, we, we got past them. And then finals, we played St. Cloud. And I think we, it was back and forth one, one, zero, one, one. And I eventually, I think they were up two one and Blake's Coleman kind of took it over and got us, got us. He actually scored all three goals. Um, we won that game, but, uh, yeah, it was, but then he got a penalty at the end of the game and that was his third five minute major of the, of the season. And you in college hockey, if you get three, you're suspended a game. So into the next game, our first round of the NCAA tournament, he couldn't play. 
and then Riley Barber uh, tore his MCL, I think, in the, the final minute. So then we were down two of our higher end players, the first round of the NCAA tournament. And um, I mean, we, we played Providence. We drew Providence in Providence. They were a four seed and they actually had got to play in their home arena, which is, I think the NCAA still needs to figure out that whole situation. Um, but yeah, we, we lost a heartbreaker. We were down like six, three. I think we pulled the goalie with like nine minutes left and we got it back within six, five and we lost seven, five. Um, but yeah, it was that, that was a, a great team, great experience. Um, then CHC, obviously the powerhouse league and the, the NCAA right now. And it was, it's a battle every night. What was, uh, arguably the the toughest, uh, I guess, playoff matchup throughout your whole collegiate career? Oh, that's, uh, that's tough. Um, my sophomore year, we actually, we, we made it to the finals of the NCHC, but I, I honestly, I think our junior year, when we won it, we actually won the, our, the first series of the best of three. And uh, we had Western Michigan and we won the first game, lost the second game. And we just barely won the third game. So we almost didn't even make it to the NCHC uh, finals. We almost lost in the first round. So I think that was just, that was the toughest one, but we knew once we got through that, it's uh, we knew we could kind of take on anything. Awesome. Yeah. And I think uh, my father's having a little bit of connection errors on the other end. So I'll, I'll keep it rolling for now, Taylor. But um, so following your graduation, um, you know, kind of another two-part question, Taylor. So you obviously get offered your first pro hockey contract. You signed with the Utah Grizzlies in the East Coast Hockey League, the ECHL. At the time or a little bit before, were you getting uh, any offers from other teams in that league? Were you getting any uh, camp invitations? Um, and then what was also your the story of you signing your first pro contract? I imagine that was a very exciting day. Yeah, yeah, it was uh... – it was an awesome day. I was actually back at school um, that fall training because uh, I really actually didn't know where I was going to go yet. Uh, but we'll go back to the start after our senior year, after my senior year ended, I was still at school. A lot of guys kind of go back, go on and, and play a few games just to get a couple games under their belt. Um, but I actually had a, an injury that I was playing with. So I, uh, I believe it was Ed, Evansville was still in the ECHL and uh, Alex Weidman, he was a year, a class ahead of me. He texted me and was like, hey, our coach wants to know if you want to come play for the weekend. Well, unfortunately, I, I couldn't. I um, was dealing with some rehab issues in my, my shoulder, so I, I couldn't do it. So I was kind of bummed about that. And I wasn't really talking to any ECHL teams, AHL teams, nothing. So I was just kind of going to the summer blind, um, trying to reach out to coaches, trying to, to figure out what my next move was. I was still training because I knew I was, was going to try to play somewhere. I just didn't know exactly where. And um, it was kind of back and forth between uh, Idaho and Utah. Um, and then my, my coach, Nick Petraglia at the time, he was with Miami. Um, he called Utah and told, kind of they talked and eventually uh, they offered me to, a contract to come play out there. And I was back and forth with Idaho as well, but Utah wanted me and they were the first ones to kind of offer that contract. So I went with it and it, it, yeah, it was an awesome day. Like I said, it was down in Miami, um, back with some of the guys, just training, uh, getting ready to get ready for the season. And that's when uh, I got that contract and signed it. So it was it was real special. I'll, I'll never forget that day. So before signing that contract, did you uh, 
ever consider uh, playing in Europe at all? Was that ever a thought in your mind? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was for sure. I was kind of back and forth. Um, there were some agents and stuff over there, like messaging me and kind of asked me if I want to come over, but I, I, I didn't want to go that route right away. Um, a lot of times I feel like or I, people that I've spoken to go over there. Once you're over there, you kind of stay over there or it's tough to come back and, and find a spot. So I wanted to stay out. I wanted to give it a try over here first before I ever went overseas. Um, so I, I just, I was like, well, if Utah's going to offer me a contract, then I'll go over there. Worst case, if I, if I get cut or if I don't get a contract from any of the East coast teams, I can always just hop over there and hopefully a team will, uh, sign me. Yeah. So, you know, bringing us through your first pro year with Utah, then, you know, we, we, we like to ask this question to our guests because, uh, it's something you don't really think about often, but, uh, it is a, I imagine a very tough transition, uh, especially for you going from collegiate hockey, right? You're playing with uh, um, guys your age between 18 and 22 and uh, full cages and everything. And then you're playing against, uh, you know, full, full grown men, vets that have been playing that may have even been uh, playing the AHL, NHL at some point. Now fighting's allowed, different rules. Was it a tough transition? Was there ever a moment that first year where there's that uh, eye opening, like, wow, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in the East Coast League. Or was it, you know, not that bad for you? Uh, it, it wasn't too bad, actually. I mean, I, I knew I, I could play at that level. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's 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 a job now, and coaches aren't afraid to either cut you or trade you. So um, I always just kind of did what I always do, work hard, um, just stick to it. I mean, you have ups and downs. Uh, it's like you said, it's, it's different than college. College is more structured. You're, you're with the same guys for years. Um, here, when you're in the pros, it's, everything's kind of on you. Like, you know, you don't have, I mean, some teams have strength coaches, most teams don't in the coast. So it's kind of on you to, to prepare and do the workouts or the little things after practice. Um, that was the biggest thing for me is just kind of holding yourself accountable. Uh, and then I guess eye opening thing. Yeah. Just maybe my first, uh, Obviously, there's fights in juniors, but I mean, those guys, it's, it's a little different when you're younger. Now it's, it's big grown men and that's, that's their job, you know? So that was probably an eye-opening thing for me is just seeing that first big fight. Um, I think it was with uh, Travis Howe. He was, he was fighting, I think a guy on Tulsa and the guy hit Travis so hard in the head and Travis didn't budge. And then after the game, he saw that guy and that guy actually broke his hand over Travis Howe's forehead. And it just shows that, some of these guys can just take punches and they're just, they're just, that's their role and they, they accept it. And it was just that, I guess that was probably the biggest eye-opening thing for me. Was it even more eye-opening fast forwarding to than your first taste of pro playoff hockey? Yeah. I mean, I, I think at that, my first, yeah, that, I think we played Allen my first year. I was actually just coming back from an injury. So I was just, I just wanted to play. Like I was, I, I tore my MCL uh, at the start of February, uh, completely tore it like all the way through. And it was, it was going to be a grind to get back for, for playoffs. And they told me it was probably going to be three months. I made it back. And I think a, a month and a half, just cause I want to play so bad. So it was, I, I feel like I was almost more concerned about that than like, Oh, it's playoff hockey. Like it, it's, I just wanted to play. So I kind of almost just zoned that out. So it was, it was a little, little different situation for myself. 
What is the locker room like during playoff time? I mean, I imagine, you know, as pros, it's, it's very different. Maybe I'd imagine compared to collegiate playoffs. I mean, this is, you know, guys' livelihoods on the line and, and performances matter. Was there a difference in the locker room compared to playoffs in college? Uh, I mean, not, not too much. I mean, guys want it. I mean, in college, you're, you're, you, you want that trophy. You want that NCAA. I mean, everyone wants to win a college hockey championship. Um, I guess in pros that you you're playing for that. I mean, you want to win that too and play for the guy next to you, but you're also rewarded with bonuses. Um, I mean, that's, we're playing hockey to get paid. That's how we make our money. And the, the further you make it, the more money you get. So that's a, a little bit more of incentive. And I feel like that's, what's guys really like, you don't, you don't have a lot of, sometimes guys don't have jobs in the summers or that's, they need that extra money to train. So Guys are super incentivized to to keep playing um, and, and get that extra money. You're, you're, they, they pay for our housing. You don't have to go back home yet and find, try to find your apartment and place to stay. So it's it's a little bit more, I would say, uh, mo- motivated internally to uh, win and and be that do that for the guy next to you because he's fighting for that money and you want it too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well. Fast forward now, you just finished that first playoffs, get through the summer. Then all of a sudden you explode that next season. Like what I was talking about, uh, you know, your offensive surge and maybe where um, you started to get that offensive touch. You score 17 goals, 41 points in the regular season, and you led the defenseman in the East Coast League that year in goals. So, again, I mean, that that was a very big surge because even the season before, um, I, I don't even think you – maybe you had half the points that you did what did you change about your game? Was it a coaching change, maybe a change in, in the systems? Because uh, that's quite the jump in, in your numbers there. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, it was just confidence. I mean, that first year, I know um, I was just, I just wanted to be there. I was, I was, I didn't want to make any mistakes. I wanted to stay in the lineup, you know, you're a rookie. Um, and then, like I said, I had that knee injury. So I kind of rushed back and, so that summer I was like, well, I want to make sure first of all that I come back and I'm ready to go that next year. Um, so that summer I, I, every day I was, I was training, uh, shooting pucks, doing, just doing little things to, to make myself that much better. Uh, and then, like you said, yeah, had a great second year. I feel like start of the year things were just going in, you know, it's sometimes they just, they just go in and I, it was, it was awesome. Um, it was making that hard work show that it paid off. Um, but I think a lot of things, like I said, is just confidence. Um, I knew I could be there. I knew I could, I had the skill. Um, so that was, I think that really uh, showed in that second year. Well, yeah. And that, clearly that confidence served you well because uh, that same year, um, I, I believe you got your, uh, you got the call up to San Antonio at, at the American hockey league. Um, and you did very well, but before getting to how well you did, what was that call like? Did you get pulled into the office? Did you get a call during the weekend? I'm sure that was also a very exciting moment to finally get that call up. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Um, our, cause we didn't make playoffs my second year. So our season was actually over. Um, I was actually back at our apartments, packing up my, my car. I was getting ready to go home, uh, start the trek back home, cleaning everything out. And all of a sudden coach Brandon called me and said, Hey, you haven't left yet, have you? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm still at the apartments. He's like, all right, well, San Antonio just called and they want you to, to get on a flight tomorrow morning to head out. And it was, I mean, that's awesome. Like I, I honestly couldn't believe it. I was like, holy cow, like I'm, 
getting to getting a shot here. So that was that was a wild 24 hours as well too. Um, like I said, I had all my stuff packed up already in my car. So I just luckily I didn't leave yet. Uh, stayed in the apartment with nothing in there that night and went to San Antonio, flew to San Antonio and had my physical. And actually I got, I had the flu. I, I got the flu there. I, I went oh. like, I, like sick, not like a flight. Like I had the flu. So I had my physical and I was at the doctor. And I was like, Hey, I'm not feeling too well. Like I think something's wrong. And sure enough, like that night I had the chills and they gave me some medication. So, um, the, I think they had a three game series. They played like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I didn't play the Thursday game. Cause I was just just chugging Pedialyte, trying to get healthy. And then uh, I got the call to, to play that first Friday night game um, in San Antonio. And it was, it was awesome. Something I'll never forget. Was it the first game that you played with them that you had scored or was it that last game? It was a second game. Yeah. The first game, uh, I believe I had an assist. And then the, yeah, the next game we traveled the day, day of game we played in, uh, in Texas. And yep, we, I think we won a shootout. I had a, a goal and an assist. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that goal for sure. I, I still remember it like it was yesterday. And not too bad for post uh, flu, couple of days. Right? Yeah, it was a wild something. So you know, and just real quick to touch up on that before I get into your, your last few years at Utah. You know, as an athlete, you know, I'm sure you were very dehydrated, probably starving. I mean, you're not moving much this past few days. How do you recover from that and, and but still be able to play at such a high professional level. I mean, I, I, most normal people would probably like die, pass out. <laughs> yeah, I was, it was, it was quick. Luckily, like that night I had the chills. Um, and then I, I knew that day before I, I, when I told the doctor, I was like, Hey, I'm not feeling too well. I, I went right to uh, a CVS that was right next to the hotel. They had me staying up in and I actually grabbed three Pedialytes and I was just chugging Pedialyte. And luckily I think that just, got it out of me quicker because I had the chills that night and I woke up the next day and I was feeling better. Um, obviously they didn't play me that first game in Thursday. And I mean, probably good that I could have that little extra time to recover. It was went to CVS again the next morning, grabbed a couple more Pedialytes and told me I was playing. And yeah, I was, and then I think when I was playing, I was just so focused on like just being in the moment and not like kind of block that part. Just, I was like, just play simple, uh, play your game and it, luckily it worked out yeah so after that you know you get to the summer and then you move on to what would be your your final two years at Utah um, but really your last year I believe was I, I think your your banner year you uh, mm -hmm. first of all we'll start with you, you were you served as a captain correct your final year what was the yep. story on you getting named captain I mean, that's a big deal yeah yeah it was, it was awesome i was kind of off and on the, the assistant captain my second year uh, my third year i was assistant captain and uh, when i was the assistant captain tegan zahn was the captain that third year and he, he was a great leader a great guy for someone to, i i look up to and the way he leads by example it was it was awesome to learn from him and that fourth year he actually was like a a, a player coach so um, I got past the C and I remember walking in the, uh, the first, first game and coach Branham and actually Tegan coaches on, we're standing in the locker room. And I think they were both kind of waiting for me to, to grab my Jersey and I grabbed it and the C was on there. And, uh, it, it was a pretty special moment to see Tegan there to pass that off to me and coach Branham to, to have the trust in me to, uh, to lead the team. And yeah, it was a, it was a great honor. Um, something I'll, I'll definitely never forget.
And so we normally like to ask this question to any uh, former or current pro players that um, served as a captain on the team professionally. What does it take to be a captain on the team? And I don't mean just the qualities, you know, the, the generic answers, but truly like, is it you're showing up to practice before everybody else? Is it doing, is it staying after every time? I mean, what are the things that you would have to do and exemplify to show that I am a captain and then to maintain that as well? I imagine that it's a lot more work than just your, your name, the captain and have it nice yeah. see on your Jersey. Yeah, for sure. I think it's just, just doing the right things daily. Um, you know, like you don't necessarily have to be the first one every day, last one to leave. I mean, I'll admit I, I generally was just because that's how I went about things. Um, I prepared every day. Um, just that's, that's just how I was. I knew if I prepared well, I was going to play well. Um, and just having that respect of the guys, you know, like you, you don't want a leader that someone isn't going to respect or doesn't really look up to or like, because that's, you're not going to have the locker room and have that trust in the, the players and your teammates. So um, yeah, just making sure I was, I was, I always wanted to be the hardest worker out and I wasn't going to let anyone outwork me. And I think that's a, a big quality of a captain. You want someone that's going to go to battle for you and, and, and lead the way and show that way. And um, that was a big emphasis um, that I always wanted. Like I said, I wasn't going to let anyone outwork me. And, and, and then just, I mean, some voc some guys are vocal leaders. Some are just quiet leaders. I feel like I kind of had a mix um, when I needed to say something I would, um, but not all guys respond to that. So you kind of just pick and choose, um, you know, you're, you kind of just being around guys every day for play 72 games a season, you know, you're, you're going to be around guys. You're going to learn different tendencies. So if, if it was kind of just pulling a guy aside and saying, Hey, like, let's go here. We need you or you're calling someone out in front of everyone. It's just, you got to know the ins and outs. And um, I, I think I learned that too from, uh, Tegan as well. He was, he was a great leader. And, and I think, uh, you just, you just pick up certain traits from, from other leader, other, other leaders and other uh, guys on the team as well. Well, yeah. And apart from, you know, your tremendous leadership, especially, you know, that year as a captain, your performance, uh, you know, just kept uh, improving. And in fact, you tied your all time high again in points, 41 points, I believe you had 12 goals. So still as a defenseman kicking ass and you were actually named to the all-star game for the ECHL. So, man, it's just like good thing after another, but take us through the ECHL All-Star game and that yeah, moment that, of getting that call too. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, uh, we were actually the, – the ECHL All-Star game that year was in Wichita, and I think like a month before we were actually – we had a series in Wichita, and I was – I'm usually waking up early on game days, getting a good breakfast. So I was down in the hotel lobby, and our coach was down there, and he came over and sat by me and – we were just kind of chatting and then he just kind of said, Hey, also, I, I want to let know you're, you don't say anything yet because it hasn't been announced, but you're actually, uh, you've been elected to the all-star game. And I was right away. I was like, wow. Like I, at first, like I was kind of speechless. I didn't really know like how to respond, but I mean, it, it was a huge honor and something obviously I'll never forget. And it was, it was great. It was a blast. And, um, had a tremendous time there, uh, not too far from Minnesota. So my parents actually, drove down to Wichita I got to spend that weekend with me and it was it was an awesome experience yeah and so you know you were beloved by many in Utah you know, you'd spent those few years there and, and served as the captain and so even with your you know, performance again at an all-time high that final year you end up retiring at, at the end of that season in 2020 
And, uh, you know, I'm curious as well, just because of how well you were playing and how much you meant to the team and everything. And I know uh, the fans who loved you as well didn't want to see you go. But what led to your decision to uh, the, I guess, quote unquote, is what some fans would say, a sudden retirement. And uh, what are you up to nowadays now since you've retired recently? Yeah, um, I guess, well, that 2020 year ended with COVID. Um, but I kind of went into the year saying, you know, like this might be my last year. Um, want to have fun, fun with it. Um, I wanted to win a championship that year, uh, especially even after when I was named captain, like that'd be a tremendous honor to win the, the ECHL title as, as a captain. Um, but I went into it saying, you know, if, if I have a great year and, and I, I do everything I can possible and I don't get called up to the AHL or um, don't get a, a contract or anything that that might be my last year. Um, obviously you're not making a lot in the, in the ECHL. And um, at the time I was 28 um, fourth year in and, you know, just grinding. Uh, and I kind of was just ready to start that next chapter of my life. And um, I think COVID kind of solidified that for me, just ending it how it did. Like, obviously not, you don't want it to end like that. Just so, so abrupt, especially with the team we had, I think we, we really could have made a run that year. Um, so part of me wanted to go back and do that all over again. Um, but obviously teams are never the same. Uh, and then obviously that next year wasn't the same. I was part of the PHPA committee. So that summer I was still kind of getting uh, information that some teams were going to play, some teams weren't going to be testing. So there, there was a lot in going into it that I was like, well, do I, do I really want to go back my last year and have half the teams play um, go through all this testing, temperature checks, all this. And I just was like, well, I, th I think it is my time. And no one really contacted me from the, the AHL after to get a contract. So I was, I was like, well, I'm, I'm happy. I can go at peace. I'm, my, my body's healthy. I'm, I'm leaving the game on my terms. And uh, I, was, I was ready to be done and start that next chapter in my life. Um, so that was, yeah, 2020. I think I officially announced it like that. September maybe around then um yeah and, and uh lately um I, well, I I got a job that December of 2020 I uh, work at SPS Commerce it's like a and doing sales but it's a it's a supply chain technology company uh software so I'm, I'm selling their their product um and then I guess lately I, I've been uh, getting ready for uh, I'm getting married this August to uh Kate my my fiance Kayla so a lot of planning there and oh awesome Awesome. Congrats. Thank you. Um, so that was also kind of part of the reason, um, you know, that last year I was away from, from her. And I mean, she supports me. She, I think she wanted me to play more than I want to go back and play. She loved um, going to games and loved coming out to visit me. Um, but I wanted to be closer to her and, and spend time with her. And like I said, just, just start that next chapter in my life. And, um, and I, I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, haven't been on the ice as much as I, as I would like, but I think I, my body needed a little break from, from skating so much in training, but um, yeah, those, it, it was tough leaving Utah with the fans and, and that, that place. I loved it. Um, just the, the city, it was, it was a great city to, to be in the mountains. There's so much to do there. Um, but yeah, it, it was tough to, tough to hang them up for sure after playing for so long. Awesome. Yeah, I bet. Well, Taylor, before we conclude uh, the, the uh, podcast today, um, this is normally my, my father and I's uh, favorite part. Um, unfortunately, he's still hanging in the room, but I know his, his Wi-Fi is not good enough that he's probably able to 
get questions out and, and hang in there without uh, disruption. So I'm going to ask just a few, Taylor. Um, these are kind of quick fire at your questions. If you have a story or anything, that would be great. If you have a one word answer as well, that works. But these questions will be fired at you quick and hopefully it'll make you think. You ready? Yeah, yeah I'm ready. All right. Going back even to your collegiate days, pro days, which arena had the worst ice conditions? The worst ice. Mm. That was tough. I would say I'm, I'm going to go with uh, probably Wichita. Which arena had the worst locker rooms? Oh, worst locker rooms. That's tough as well. Um for college, college, I, I feel like everyone had a great locker room in, in the NCHC. For pro, the worst locker room, I would probably – I mean, it wasn't really a bad locker room either. All, a lot of the teams that we played were, were great locker rooms. I guess the setup in uh, Boise wasn't too great. It was a it was a weird, like – usually everyone can kind of see each other in a locker room. You picture, like, a, just a, a box or, like, a circle. This one was just – all over the place they had weird ins and outs like nooks and crannies so like if you're on one side you couldn't see the other side and so i would have to go idaho what was the most embarrassing or funniest moment to happen to you either during a game or warm-up but at least while you're on ice in front of the fans um I, i'll go i'll go two um one was i guess embarrassing was probably on the ice um in warm-ups, skating around, stepped on a puck, wiped out right right in the corner, <laughs> um, right in front of a, a bunch of fans that were there early for warm-ups. And there's like a unwritten rule that if you fall in warm-ups, you have to put money on the board. So oh. I, had to, I had to put 20 bucks on the board, and sure enough, we won that game. So I was down 20 bucks for a fall in <laughs> warm-ups. Um, and then also, I guess, my, my sophomore year playing in North Dakota um, – I was probably the worst story is I was minus six in that game. Everything was going in and I was on the ice for everything. So that's, that's a night that, and it was actually the night of my birthday, my birthday. Oh. And so I was, that was a tough birthday in, in Grand Forks. And every time they score in Grand Forks, the fireworks go off. So there's a running joke between uh, the Miami guys that that night, uh, the Ralph Ingleset arena ran out of fireworks for me. Oh man, that's rough. Who had, or which player had the innate ability to get under your skin? Who was a rat? Um, I would, <laughs> I would have to go probably Alex Weidman. Um, love the guy, but he always would chirp me. Um, just trying to get a, a, a rise out of me. And sometimes he would, sometimes I would brush it off, but more times than not, he would, he would just throw that little extra chirp and get under my skin. This is kind of a broad question, I know, but to, to kind of top it off, and, you, and you've got quite a few accomplishments in your short pro career, but Taylor, what was the, or what was your most favorite hockey memory throughout your career, even if it would, uh, includes your collegiate times? But what was your most favorite hockey memory of your career? Most favorite hockey memory? Um, that's tough. There's, there's so many. I mean, a lot of, a lot of choose from. Um, I would probably say... Well, if I have to go college and on college and past, I would say winning the NCHC my junior year just it was such a grind, and we we did it, and 
uh, we had some fun on the ice and some fun afterwards. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, but before college, I would say um, winning the section championship my senior year of high school, my dad was actually a assistant coach. And I just remember huddling with the guys and then going right over to him and, and giving him a, a big hug. And I'll, I'll never forget that moment. He was, he coached us, the, the group of us all the way from Mites all the way up to high school. So uh, I owe a lot of my knowledge and um, accolades to him as well. So that was an awesome experience that I'll never forget. Awesome, man. Well, Hey, Taylor, I know that uh, it wasn't necessarily ideal, our recording situation today. I know it's on a weekend, so it's always a bit different for us. Um, I know uh, my father really wanted to continue to join us on this. He at least listened, was in the room the whole time, just couldn't really talk. But again, Ted, I appreciate you taking the time um, coming on the show and, and talking some hockey. Hopefully we brought back some, some memories, even though it wasn't too long ago, man. No, yeah, for sure. It was, it was great. Like you said, the memories, uh, almost just reliving it kind of year by year and story by story. So yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on me on here today. And, um, yeah, like you said, it was, it was, it was fun reliving those memories. Something I'll never forget, um, all those years and, you know, and had, had fun and it, it was, a, it was a great journey. Awesome, man. Well, we'll officially say goodbye on air. We'll go ahead and pause the show, but officially, Taylor, we'd again like to say thank you for coming on, man. Thank you.